Welcome to Paranormal Almanac. With your host, Kurt Sandvig. That's right, I'm your host, Kurt Savick, and on this week's edition of Paranormal Almanac, let's continue the haunted locations theme just a little bit longer. Don't worry, UFO fans or non-ghost fans, I have a lot of non-ghost-related episodes coming up. It's gonna happen, don't worry. It's so funny, I get like, you know, people be like, I don't like the ghost stories, do more UFOs. And so I do a bunch of UFOs and everybody's like, I don't like UFOs. Go back to ghosts. I'm going to do both. I'm going to keep on keeping on. There's a lot of paranormal almanac to be done. Don't worry. This is a good one, though. I, if you, Even if you don't like ghosts, this is a good one. All righty. But first, as always, let's head on over to Patreon. That's patreon.com slash paranormal almanac for some shout outs. Shout outs to the patrons. That's right. We have shout outs going out to... Eric, Joe, Marisol, Aaron, Alexandria. Oh, Alexandra, geez. Amy, Andrea, April, Ashley, Becca, Brandon, Chuck, Dan, Donald, Dorian, Isabel, Jason, Lauren and Phil Mangano, Lauren Strawn. Hey, howdy, hi. Lindsay Hahn, Manning, Martin, Michael, Mildog, Robin, Sean, Sherry, Trudy, Vanessa, Veronica, Andrew. Hey, howdy, hi. Art, Autumn, Carolyn. Cindy, Derek, Dill, Ezram, George, Harley, Heidi, Roger, Jeff, T, Juliana, Carrie, Connie, Christopher, Lawrence, Leo, Liam, Loki, Megan, Nashi, Paul, Ricardo, Russell, Seth, Scoston, Suzanne, Tasha, Tom, Tim, Voidtech, Audra, Bob, Cindy, Devin, Elizabeth, Daniel, ah, I remembered it this time, J. Mark, Jade, Jerry, Kenneth, Kim, Laura, Melody, Paula, Ricardo, Scott, Spencer, Terminal Animal, what's that, Will, Alicia, and Jen, with a very, very special shout out to Joe Teague and Stitch, and aloha to the Sean Bishop. All right, let's get right on in to Paranormal News. It's time for Paranormal News. All righty, the first story up in Paranormal News. Uh, first, I've got to apologize. My voice has been cutting in and out all day. I had an allergy attack this morning, and now my voice is, like, spotting in and out. So I apologize if it sounds like I'm going through puberty on this episode. It's not. I'm just uh, losing my voice, apparently. Okay, the first story of Paranormal News, Odd UFO Filmed by Airline Passenger. Now, this one was done on a Facebook page, but also on YouTube. Now, I did not watch the YouTube video. As you guys know, I like to watch the YouTube videos as, uh, you know, live on air. So I don't, uh, you know, let's just get an honest opinion. So, guys, this Whoa. is what I know about this footage. This was captured on an Air India flight. Now this flight took off from New Delhi, India and was making its way to the capital of Saudi Arabia. All right, that's about all we need to know about that. So it is the flight, uh, it's out the window of an airliner. It's by, the, you know, there's a wing. It's the person was sitting right behind the wing. There is a speck, but it's hard to say if the speck is something that's outside the plane or if it's like a speck on the windshield. You know, they got that little dot on the windshield. To me, it can almost, it almost looks like it was that speck on the windshield. I'm trying to watch and see if it does anything or seems like it's in motion at all. Now it's blurry. Come on, cut back in. No, it goes up and down a little bit. And if he zooms out, I don't see it. All right, there is something out there then. I'll give him that. There's something past the wing of the plane. Uh, zoom back in, dude. I want to see more of it. Oh, yeah, all right. Does seem to be reflective. Uh, that's very interesting. I don't know what to think about this one. Um... Once again, it was a new um, Indian airline, Indian airliner, uh, New Delhi, to uh, landing at Riyadh in Saudi Arabia. It says that he noticed the object in the distance about midway into the flight and filmed this disc-shaped craft. Huh. Drops straight down for the object. What? Where's the drop straight down part? Hold on. I want to watch I'm a little bit more of this. I want to see this drop straight down part. I mean, it definitely is moving. It's not staying like a speck on the windshield, so that or a window. That that's nice. I don't see it shooting straight down though. Uh, one of the the commenters say it looks like a tic tac shape to me. I can kind of see that, especially the last part. 
In the beginning, it looks like a disc because of the light and the shadow part next to it, but you can also see it's a tic-tac-shaped UFO. So I don't know. There's not enough detail for me to say that's definitely a tic-tac shape um, or that there's no wings or anything on the aircraft. It, it is very interesting that it does seem to kind of like blink in and out a couple of times and then go away. So I'll put that up on the Facebook page. Let me know what you guys think. I will put that in the, it's definitely identified, um, category. All righty, up next in paranormal news, paranormal investigators believe there's a demon in the White House. Now, if this was on like Weekly World News, I'd be like, yeah, of course, that's a great story. But it's not. It's uh, the Daily Beast and Yahoo and a couple other people are doing it. But they say, how do we draw the line of what's real and what's not? Asks one of the many paranormal experts, there is no such thing, and authors featured in Shock Docs, Demon in the White House. When it comes to the Discovery Plus special, the answer is easy. Premiering on Discovery Plus on November 26th. Oh, it's already out. I'll have to watch this. Shock Docs, Demon in the White House, strives to paint 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue as the haunted home of demonic presence. Uh, let's see. This documentary, they put that in quotes. That's funny. Uh, makes sense because no residence is as secretive as the White House, and secretive places are obviously hotbeds of paranormal activity. Are they, though? I don't know the correlation with that. Uh, moreover, we should be all immensely spooked because demons are intent on manipulating the living, and thus there may be no grave danger faced by America than an evil spirit getting its hooks into a president. It is, in fact, a matter of national security. Um, all right. Uh, let's see, it says it supposedly began in 1853 when Franklin Pierce became the 14th president of the United States. Mere weeks after Franklin won the election, his son Benny died during a horrible train derailment. The tragedy rocked the Pierce clan and especially Pierce's wife, Jane. Uh, Jane responded to this loss by writing letters to Benny, according to Demon in the White House. She also enlisted the services of the Fox sisters, who had become renowned as pioneering spiritualists capable of communing with the dead through seances. All right, so they're basing this whole thing on the Fox sisters because in 1888, Margareta confessed that their wrappings, one of the Fox sisters, that is, confessed that their wrappings had been a hoax and publicly demonstrated their methods. Margareta attempted to recant her confession the next year, but the reputation was ruined in less than five years. They were all dead. Uh, yeah, the, it's... They were they were a hoax. So if, if this documentary is basing it on the fact that Franklin Pierce's wife hired them, okay, big deal. Before long, those in the White House came to claim that Jane could be heard talking to her deceased son. She probably was talking to her deceased son. That's not, that doesn't make it that they're, you know, demons in the White House. Uh, demons in the White House refuses to let truth get in the way of a good yarn, heaping on dramatic recreations of Jane and the Fox sisters sitting around a table asking Benny to respond to them by knocking once for yes and two for no. In those and innumerable other sequences, a tall, dark, red-eyed demon invariably materializes in the corner of the room or directly behind an unsuspecting person. Throughout interview, subjects uh, speculate about events and ideas that are then visualized as facts by the show. Such conjecture, such can well. Such conjecture, there we go, conjecture, then builds upon itself until a bogus overarching narrative is formed that predicts of no, predicted on nothing, predicated, Jesus Christ, Kurt, until a bogus overarching narrative is formed that's predicated on nothing but fanciful guesswork. Yeah, all right, I'm not going to keep on reading. Uh, apparently, there's a thing called uh, Shock Doc, Demons in the White House on Discovery+. Plus. I'm going to watch it. It, I mean, it goes into JFK's assassination, Vietnam, 9-11, pretty much anything that can be connected to a president. Abraham Lincoln, who lost their 11-year-old son, whose wife, Mary Todd, became involved with the spiritualist on her own. Uh, that spiritualist, Charles Colchester, may have predicted the president's murder before it took place. All right, I'll look into that later. Uh, sure, why not? Go ahead and watch that. I'm going to watch it just for um, just for the laughs. But, I mean, who to know? There is no such thing as a paranormal expert, so I'm definitely not one. For all I know, there is a demon in the White House. Who knows? See, I'm getting away from politics right now. Watch UFO sighting sparks concerns amongst East Tennesseans. If you saw lights in the sky on Friday, they weren't aliens. Some East Tennesseans said that they spotted silent lines of bright lights. That's right. It's yet another Starlink story. Not UFOs, Starlink. The reason I bring that up is... I'll say every month someone sends me a video and they go, look, Kurt, I, I filmed you. I filmed UFOs. Look, they're aliens. 
then I have to be like the one that goes, oh, I'm sorry. Those are Starlink satellites. So there is an app that you can check to see where the Starlink satellite is at any given time. So if you're unsure if what you're looking at are UFOs or the Starlink satellite, film them for a while just in case they are UFOs. Then turn on that app, and if it says Starlink, delete that video. Okay, up next in Paranormal News, exploring the UAP's report. Is alien invasion imminent? And this is a NorthripGromman.com um, article, which is why I was like, ooh, I want to definitely read this. And they said, in a word, no. Aliens are not coming to conquer Earth or capture the population despite what some alien enthusiasts may claim. Still... The recent unexplained aerial phenomena report raises some interesting questions about our place in the universe and a possibility that we are not alone. The reason I did this, the reason I put this one in here is it is very interesting. They're trying to to do both sides. They're playing both sides of this for the skeptics and the believers. They're saying, yeah, there is some very interesting stuff that we cannot explain in that UAP report. There does seem to be some technology that seems beyond our capabilities, but... It doesn't necessarily mean it's aliens. It could be just, you know, spy, or not spy, but like, you know, secret black ops kind of stuff, that military-grade stuff, if you will. They said that current reports are credible, that weird actions were observed, and that, this is the big one, they agree that social stigmas may have reduced the total sightings for these reports. And I completely agree with that, that there is still... Social stigma with somebody coming forward, you know, anybody prominent working in the military, a a pilot, a commercial pilot, there is still stigma attached to them coming forward saying, I saw a UFO. And that needs to stop. I don't care what you believe, whether you believe that there are aliens or you believe that we're alone, you believe the earth is round or you believe the earth is flat. I don't care. The big thing is we need to stop. Social stigma on UFO reports. Report everything. Then let the people who get the reports figure out what it was that they that the people saw. More information is always a good thing. All right, I'm going to keep on keeping on. Let's move on to the next story. I just thought that was really cool that Northam Grauman uh, was trying to do both sides of that and I think did it fairly well. Up next in Paranormal News, ex-officials voice deep concerns over new Pentagon UFO unit. There are a lot of news sources that have a varying version of this article. So I'm just going to read this one, but just know it's not just them. There are a lot of people that are saying we need to be a little bit concerned over that new Pentagon UFO unit that just got uh, put into place. So according to two former Department of Defense officials, the Pentagon, office re- the Pentagon office recently tasked with assessing U.S. military encounters with UFOs is ill-equipped and improperly staffed to tackle its new mission. But moreover, the initiative threatens to derail a congressional proposal that would mandate unprecedented government transparency on UFOs. That's the big part. So in an interview, Louis Elizondo, which... If you're listening to this, Lewis, or if you know Lewis Elizondo, please tell him I want to have him on my show. I would love to talk with Lewis Elizondo because he does seem to be the own kind of like calm-headed, level-headed person, the level-headed person to talk to about UAPs and UFOs. So Lewis Elizondo, in case you don't know who he is, the former head of an informal Defense Department unit that assessed military UFO reports, told me he had deep reservations about the Office of the Undersecretary of Defense for Intelligence and Security's leading government government effort to investigate the UFO phenomena. He says UFOs are not solely an intelligence issue. If we want more than 70 years of secrecy on this topic, then they're the perfect place to put it. They've had four years so far, and we've had little in the ways of efforts serving the public interest. And that's the big one, is... Is this new unit going to actually serve the public interest or is it just another way of just calming down the public saying, all right, yeah, yeah, no, we have a whole new team. They're going to look into everything and then they just never tell us anything. Or they do a Project Blue Book and they tell us it's all swamp gas. Christopher Mellon, who ran the organization during the Clinton and George Bush uh, administrations, he echoes Elizondo's uh, concerns. He says... 
that the inability for them to engage effectively on the UFO issue is why so little has changed or been accomplished since 2004. And why he mentioned 2004 is that's when that whole big Navy UFO UAP stuff really started to come out. It kind of blew up where the government can no longer say that UFOs don't exist because they clearly, clearly do. So we got two people who know what they're talking about saying, I don't know if this is going to be a good thing or not. And, you know, it, it wouldn't surprise me. I, I mean, at all, it wouldn't surprise me. Again, it's very easy for the government to say, yeah, no, 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 we're cool. We're, we're cool now. Yep, UFOs are real. Don't worry. We're cool. We're going to look into them. We're going to tell you everything. And then never give us all of that crazy cool information that they say, the disclosure type information that they say is out there. All right, last but not least, credible UFO sightings spotted by jet pilots are, quote, being ignored by the government. Jet pilot, commercial jet pilots are routinely, uh, reports are routinely shelved by a government unit set up to investigate them. A number of strange encounters have been escanned after being referred to a secret department run by the Royal Canadian Air Force, it's claimed. Previously classified event logs were released, though, to Canada's Access to the Information Act, but some of those files mark secret, even though they describe mysterious UFO sightings reported by pilots, others say they don't know what happened. There's no clear case on these reports, basically. Uh, they show how fighter jets were scrambled to intercept unknown craft spotted on radar, which then vanished. One aviation expert claims the sightings were not properly followed up, unlike in the U.S. where the Pentagon and Congress are both investigating UFOs like I just talked about. We don't know if that's true, but... Former RCAF fighter pilot Jock Williams, who spent 36 years in the Canadian military, said the reports get S-canned. He said, I mean, somebody throws it out. Nobody cares. I don't see any evidence there's any kind of in-depth look being taken at any kind of this stuff, which means that nobody attaches any importance to it. You have evidence of the fact that they're aware of this kind of stuff. At the same time, you have evidence of the fact that nothing is happening. These guys are getting paid one way or another. They might as well be investigating. And yeah, I think that's true. Plus, that guy, fighter pilot Jock Williams, that guy's got the best name ever for a fighter pilot. Alrighty, with that, let's take a quick break. Let's jump right on into this episode because uh, time is a burning. We'll be right back. <clears throat> we are back. Alrighty, on this edition. Oh, before we get into this, I'm supposed to say. Head on over to storeenvy.com, search for Paranormal Almanac for all your Paranormal Almanac merchandise needs. Alrighty, we are back. On this edition, let's take a look at some of the most haunted bars out there. Now, just like the theaters, the episode I just did, it seems like if you have an old bar, you got yourself some ghosts. Now, this one is going to bounce all over the place. It's not like the last one where it's all in New York. But I could tell you, I, I should tell you right now, I think it'll be very easy for me to do haunted bars of California, haunted bars of New Jersey, haunted bars of New York, haunted bars of Pennsylvania. It seems like there are so many haunted bars out there that I could do episodes of specific states and their haunted bars. So if that's something you guys want to hear, let me know. And if it's something you guys don't want to hear, don't let me know because there's a good chance I'm going to do it anyway. All righty, up first uh, for no particular reason at all. Let's start with Casey Moore's Oyster House in Tempe, Arizona. That's right, Casey Moore's Oyster House. It was built in 1910 by William and Mary Moore as their house. So it was basically a home in 1910. Now, William died in the house in 1929. And then uh, Mary died upstairs in the house about 20 years later. So already, boom, we got two deaths in the house. Now, I can't find proof of it. But apparently, the house became a bordello shortly after Mary died, then kind of went into disrepair, and in 1973, it became a restaurant called Ninth and Ash. Then in 1986, it became what it's known now, Casey Moore's, Casey Moore's Oyster House. So what happens there? Well, neighbors have reported seeing a couple dancing upstairs during the day when there's nobody up there. And not just neighbors, like people walking by will see that, but mostly it's like the neighbors going, what the crap is going on upstairs? To the point where the people at the, at the restaurant and the bar, restaurant, whatever you want to call it, 
go, crap, it's happening again. Also, people have seen upstairs just a faint glow in the window that doesn't have any source to it. Now, there's a bunch of sites that say, you know, the police were called and they investigated and they couldn't find any source for it. I'm calling BS on that. I don't have any proof of that at all, but I'm calling BS on it because if there's a weird glow in my window, I don't care if it's a bar, a restaurant, an office building, whatever, the police aren't going to go, like, hello, police, there's a, there's a weird glow in this window. All right. They're not going to run down there and investigate and go, there's no source to this weird, faint glow in the window. But supposedly... Somebody has gone up there and tried to figure out where the faint glow is coming from, and they can't find any source for that faint glow. Now, the restaurant bar, it, uh, it has a lot of activity itself. So, like, forks, plates, glasses are moving on their own, but more importantly, they're seen being thrown off the tables. Not just being, like, knocked over or fallen off, but being thrown off the tables by a lot of people. Chairs and tables that are set the night before are undone by the morning. And they've checked, and it's not like, you know, the cleaning crew are coming through or anything like that. It is literally, they set them up the night before, the next morning, boom, all undone. Paintings and lamps sway when there's no movement or AC on, like nothing on to move them. No airflow, no nothing. They'll see the lamps just start swaying, and then the paintings start swaying. Now, the painting swaying could be, I don't know how close it is to the road. It could be, you know, just movement from like a truck going by. But, I mean, I guess the lamps could be as well. But apparently they said that there's no movement or anything to move them when this is happening. Now, the ghost of a young woman with light eyes and dark black hair is seen here. Now, she's either walking by or standing there staring at people only to disappear when people notice her. So whether she just walks by and someone goes, what the crap was that? And they go and look, boom, she's gone. Or they look up and there's just this woman with black hair and light eyes staring at them. And as soon as they go, like, ah, boom, she's gone. And of course, she got a completely unfounded backstory. This is quickly becoming one of my uh, favorite things ever. Not really favorite things ever. Why they need to come up with an unfounded backstory. You got a ghost. That's cool enough. You don't need the weird, crazy, unfounded backstory at all. So it's said that she was murdered by an acquaintance when she worked there at the Bordello. Or that she was a co-ed named Sarah who was strangled by her boyfriend here. But no proof of this happening. Either version. I checked for both. I checked for was a student killed at... Casey Moore's Oyster House or Ninth and Ash or, you know, even prior to Ninth and Ash, I couldn't really find anything really prior to that. But no, there's no murders that happened there. So um, why is it happening? No idea. What else is there? Well, another black-haired woman wanders the kitchen. How they know it's a different one, I don't know. Uh, but it says another black-haired woman wanders the kitchen and a little boy ghost is seen here too. And yeah, it's the basics, voices, whispers, touching, shadows, all that good stuff. But more importantly, they seem to have a very specific woman that freaks people out, another woman in the in the kitchen, and a little boy ghost for some strange reason. All right, with that, let's go on to a bar that I've wanted to go to for a very long time. This is high up on my list of places that I want to visit, just in general, because it's a cool place. But this bar specifically, we're going to head on over to Memphis, Tennessee, to Ernestine's and Hazel's on 531 South Main Street. Like I said, I wanted to go here for a while for a very good reason. So this place was built in the 1800s, originally as a church. Then in the 1930s, it became a pharmacy and a sundry store. And then a jazz saloon downstairs with the salon and a bordello upstairs. Man, that place had everything Booze? Yep. Get your hair done? Yep. Go get your freak on? Yep. You want some drugs? Pugh, we got it all upstairs. This place had everything. So Ernestine's husband, I love this, a man who went by the street name of Sunbeam, 
He made friends with the A&Rs and the artist over at nearby Stax Records. And I mean anyone who is anyone recorded there. Aretha Franklin, Chuck Berry, Ray Charles, all of them came to Ernestine and Hazel's. Like, this is the coolest backstory of a place ever. Now, some of them came for the booze, some came for the food, some for the drugs, and yes, some for the women. Now, legend says that Ray Charles liked all three of those there. They said that artists would party there and then go stay at Lor- at the Lorraine, which was two blocks away. And if you wonder if the if you're thinking, hey, the Lorraine, that sounds familiar. Well, there's a very good reason for it. So two blocks away from Ernestine and Hazel's was the Lorraine. Now this was where, sadly, Martin Luther King was killed, and is now a civil rights museum. So Russell, who was a recent previous owner, he sadly committed suicide upstairs in his office. So this place has seen drugs, prostitutes, the high and low of the times, and legend says 13 people and counting have died within its walls, died at this location. Now the upstairs is essentially as it was back in the day, including the bathroom where Ray Charles used to do heroin and the office where that guy Russell shot himself. It's a very cool, like, paint-peeling kind of upstairs with, like, a southern soul vibe to it. Like, again, definitely on my bucket list to check out. I would love to not only go to this place, get a drink there, talk to the people there, especially one of the managers I'm about to talk about, but see if I could actually go upstairs to where this crazy cool part of rock and roll history was, was at, was done. Alrighty, so what's actually seen here? Well, people hear piano playing and people either dancing or walking in the upstairs area, that empty upstairs area, when there's nobody up there. Now, the typical ghost stuff happens here, but the best part of this place is a piece that was written by manager Karen Brownlee, the woman I was just talking about. Now, she wrote about the paranormal stuff on a website, so here's some of those stories, like some of the highlights from her her online piece. One time, my coworker and I were talking about James Brown on the day that he died. All of a sudden, the jukebox blared out of nowhere, turned on and blared out of nowhere, and started playing I Feel Good. Another time, a paranormal, she calls him a paranormal, a paranormal investigator was here, and he was talking about exorcism and stuff with Russell, and all of a sudden, the song by the Rolling Stones, Sympathy for the Devil, started playing on its own. I swear, I think it's the only time I really got scared was when, I think the only time I really got scared was when I was standing at the jukebox and it felt like somebody touched me. One night, now this is a true story. This is all her writing it. One night, this is a true story. Some people here sitting at the bar and making fun of the ghosts and talking trash about Ernestine and Hazel. All of a sudden, the lights start getting brighter, dimmer, brighter, dimmer until it was as bright as the sunshine in here. They freaked out and left. I've had all kinds of weird experiences with money, too. One time, we had a money bag go missing. Couldn't find it, looked everywhere. Then one Friday, literally five years later, I was shooting pool with a coworker, and it was uh, dead as heck at the bar. I knocked a cue ball off the table, and it rolled underneath the couch. We picked up the couch, and underneath it laid a money bag with cobwebs and stuff all over it. I called Russell, and he's like, I have no idea where that came from. The next Saturday, another coworker was shooting pool. Same thing happened. Knocked the cue ball off, went under the couch. We picked up the couch, and in that exact same spot was the money bag that had been missing for four or five years. So if you do go there, I highly recommend playing pool, knocking the cue ball off the table, and rolling it under the couch, lifting up the couch, and getting your own free money bag. All right, back to her story. She said, like I said, I've been working here a long time. In 2007, my 24-year-old son got killed. I was at work and found out that he had gotten shot. To make a long story short, this was how I knew that Ernestine, I think it's Ernestine, was watching out for me. When I came back to work, I was sitting at the end of the bar by myself and I was crying. I said, God, please give me a sign that my kid's all right. It used to be when I got freaked out in here that I would just start talking to Ernestine. I know it sounds crazy, but sometimes you're in here by yourself and it can get a little creepy. I said, Ernestine, please give me a sign that my kid's all right. Out of nowhere, this little baby bird came walking up to me, 
right over from one of the booths. I looked down, and a little bird walked over to an iron gate where the door was open, and it flew off. That was my sign that my kid was okay. When I started talking to Ernestine, and the bird appeared, and it flew off. It was weird. And just then, a little lady came in that I'd never seen before in my life. She walked in and said, hey, lady, are you okay? I don't know where she came from, never saw her again, but I started talking to her a little bit about everything. And you know something right here? She came back with a necklace with a bird, just like that. True story. I'm not lying about it. None of it. Russell said, Karen, Ernestine is watching over you, man. I've never really been scared in here ever since. I hear weird stuff all the time, but I blow it off. I love this place. It's like my home. I've met so many good people, had so much good stuff happen to me here. Some people get real eerie and freaked out, but I don't anymore. I just thought that was kind of a cool story. Um, it seems, like I said, I, I, hopefully she's still working there when I get a chance to go to this place because I would love to just kind of chat with her. It's a very, she's a, she has a very positive attitude about the paranormal stuff that happens there. It doesn't seem to be like, it doesn't seem to like a lot of paranormal investigators, you know, messing with the place. So I thought that was kind of cool. Uh, before I move on to the next bar on this list, though, I found this online. I thought it was kind of cool. It's, it's kind of like a paranormal news, even though the story's from 2019. I thought it was very cool. Bones discovered in the walls at Ernestine and Hazel's during restoration work. If Ernestine and Hazel's didn't already have enough haunted lore swirling around the historic dive bar already, bones of an unknown origin tumbling out of the walls and landing at the feet of construction crews serves as one more paranormal episode the bar can now tout. Diversified builder crews have resumed restoration work after a Wednesday night scare when bones fell out of a wall where they were in process of repairing it. The contracting company's vice president, Chris Tigner, said he got out said word got out quickly about the discovery and somebody alerted the police and inaccurately told them a body was located in the bar. Police and friar crews swarmed the bar around 11 p.m. There was no body and no one can say with certainty where the bones originated from. Now, he explained the bones as well as a box with items like old bottles was found in the wall adjacent to the steps that lead from the main floor to the upstairs. Caitlin Chittam the owner of Ernestine's and Hazel's said the bones were sent somewhere to be identified. In the aftermath, with a sure to be the next chapter, blah, blah, blah. Uh, let's see. Detractors are worrying the presence of construction crews has signaled that the Memphis legend is getting an overhaul that will change the look and feel of the bar. She said that is not true. I love Ernestine's and Hazel's. I would never do anything to change it. It was important to me, and it was so, so important to my father. Uh, so I think that's very cool. They, she said, we're doing repairs to save the buildings. It'll always be ragged. We're saving the foundation of the building, but nothing cosmetic. This has to be a costly repair, blah, blah, blah. It's open during construction. Yeah. All right. So that's about the end of that. Uh, so I thought that was very, very cool. Just a bizarre thing and no follow-up. I couldn't find a follow-up anywhere of what those bones were. But uh, yeah, again, very high up on my list. If you get a chance to go to Ernestine's and Hazel's, please take a photo either inside or outside or by the fuse box, you'll know what I mean when you get there, and uh, send it to me because I want to go to that place very badly. All righty, cool bar, cool town. Uh, up next is a close-to-home bar from me, and I don't mean close-to-home out in California. I mean close-to-home, my hometown, my home state of Michigan. Fenton, Michigan, to be exact. It's called the Fenton Hotel Tavern and Grill, and it's located rightfully so, at the Fenton Hotel. Now, it was built in 1856. It has a very, very regular bar uh, patron, like the norm of the place, but more of like the paranorm of the place. Uh, see what I did there? Because for decades, there has been a ghost that is seen there often who loves to drink either Jack and Cokes or Jack on the Rocks, He's primarily doing it at table 32. It's said that when people are sitting at the table, servers will come back, you know, like they'll come over and they'll get their drink orders and they'll come back with the drinks only to find there aren't three people sitting there, but two people and that nobody ordered a Jack and Coke. All right, Kurt here. If you go to the Fenton Hotel Tavern and Grill at the Fenton Hotel, please, 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 sit at table 32 and just order that guy a Jack and Coke or a Jack on the rocks and just, you know, let it sit at the table with you. Tell him it's from Kurt. Just enjoy your drinks with like a thirsty ghost. I think it'd be kick-ass to just be like, just order this cool guy 
his Jack and Coke or his Jack on the Rocks and just chat with him. See what happens. You get to drink with a ghost. Or another story at Table 32. A man will order a Jack and Coke or a Jack on the Rocks. You know, clear as day, a dude, not a ghost. Solid. Guy comes up, sits at Table 32, orders either a Jack Jack and Coke or a Jack on the Rocks. And when the bartender server comes back to give it to him, he's vanished. So Table 32 is where it's at at the Fenton Hotel Tavern and Grill. And hey, Fenton, if you guys are listening, set up a webcam on table 32, please. There you go. It seems very easy. Just put a webcam on there. People can tune in at any time they want and just kind of check out table 32. Another ghost is seen here, though, and his name is Emery, and he was a custodian back in the day. He's seen and heard above the dining room and in his old room, which is still supposedly still unoccupied since his death. Now, there's other uh, websites that say he's also heard in the basement as well. So Emery seems to be kind of getting around cleaning up the place. Now, servers at this at this bar have reported getting goosed when there's nobody around, sometimes after hours when there is definitely nobody around. Glasses have shattered when nobody's around. People have reported seeing people and then watching them disappear right before their eyes. A bartender there said she witnessed wine glasses just jumping off their perch and flying across the room. Another bartender, supposedly, it might be the same one, it's hard to tell in a lot of these sites, said that uh, she heard a voice call her name when the place was completely empty and that she's been touched several times by the ghost. And apparently a customer said that they saw someone hugging her but that she couldn't see when there was, you know, there was nobody around her, but they said, I saw someone hugging you. And she's like, what? And she said she couldn't see or feel anything. And there was nobody around her. That's creepy. That's not the, that is not the kind of, of ghost report you want is having someone go, hey, who was that just hugging you? Uh, nobody. What are you talking about? I just watched someone hug you. Like, that's creepy. I mean, I guess getting goosed is creepy. As, getting goosed by a ghost is creepy as well. Uh, but there's more. A ghost of a woman has been seen in the bathrooms and grain of salt story time. A guest who was using one of the stalls once felt someone touch her hair and pull a few strands as she sat there. Or, for you skeptics, my guess is she was hearing all of these ghost stories or knew about them anyway, was sitting there on the toilet just doing her business, and her hair got caught on something behind her, and she panicked. I mean... I don't know if they do, but if they have those, um, like, the toilet seat gaskets, whatever you want to call them, they usually have those behind you, uh, you know, on the wall, and those always have, like, that little cardboard, you know, corrugated cardboard kind of thing. I could see her hair getting caught on that, or a nail, or a brick, or a picture. I don't know what was behind her. I can't say it didn't happen. I'm just saying I'll lean towards the skeptics on this one to say, I think she kind of freaked herself out. All right, here's a quick rundown of more paranormal stuff here. They have seen a disappearing black cat, voices coming out of the bar speaker when the PA is off. That happens a lot. Uh, not necessarily at this, I mean, it definitely happens at this bar, but that's that thing about voices coming out of the bar speakers. I've noticed more and more while researching haunted bars. It's kind of cool that that's a regular thing. A uh, disembodied whispering female voice can be heard on the upper floor. A bearded man can be seen outside a second-story window. I'll tell you about that story in a second. The vision of a tall man in a top hat. All right, if you guys are playing Paranormal Almanac Bingo, mark off top hat, man, because it's, you know, close enough for this episode. Uh, window shutters open and close when there's no wind. Voices and footsteps. Lights turning on and off. Shadows and more. All right, here's an employee story from there. Last Mother's Day, we must have served 500 to 600 customers. It was one of our biggest days. One of our bartenders needed to go to the liquor storage room near the far end of the lounge to replenish the bar. She unlocked the door leading to the first room where we keep some of the popular liquors and proceeded through to the next door, which opens up to where we keep the bulk of our supplies. As she turned around to go back out, she saw this man in a top hat and black coat standing in the outer doorway just staring at her. She said he wasn't in color that he was in black and white, and that's how she knew right away that he was a ghost. Well, should have been a lot of clues that he was a ghost. 
Uh, when I asked her, her name was Dawn, how she got out of the room if he was blocking the way, she told me she must have passed right through him. She was really shaken up and shaking and crying. It took quite a while for her to calm down and get back to work. There are three main spirits in the building, one male and two female. Legend has it that one woman committed suicide upstairs by hanging herself outside one of the windows. This area is now used for storage. One staff person went to this area and saw a bearded man outside the window looking at her. He would have been 30 feet up in the air. When I first bought the place, I had a really talented female entertainer who played the piano and sang. During her evening performances, she liked to drink champagne one glass after another. Well, this one night, she says to me, Nick, I'm not singing alone tonight. I can hear an old man singing along with me. Now, I just figured she'd been hitting the sauce a little too hard that evening, but later, during the last part of her act, I passed by and I could actually hear an old man's voice coming out of one of the speakers. It was actually mocking her. I just told myself it must have been interference from some outside electrical source or something, but it was pretty weird. That's a pretty cool one. That's very cool. And like I said, I've, I've noticed more and more of these haunted bars have the voices not just coming out like voices from nowhere, but voices coming out of the speakers when there shouldn't be anything. Which, if you are, you know, a big fan of the paranormal, which I assume you are, why, why would you listen to this podcast if you didn't like the paranormal? Uh, it's like a spirit box. You're giving them the energy required to have their voices heard. Alrighty, the next two are very quick ones, but very cool. Uh, the Goose Feather Restaurant in Terrytown, New York. Now, this, this bar is up the hill from the former home of Washington Irving, author of The Legend of Sleepy Hollow. Every website mentions that, so I thought I'd throw that in there. That's kind of cool. Now, it's located on the grounds of the Terrytown House Estate. The house is named after a railroad executive, Thomas M. King, but his daughter-in-law, Sybil... Well, she's still seen here in a white gown going by the second-story window on a fairly regular basis. All righty, next up is the Horse You Came In On Saloon. It's in Baltimore, Maryland. It's kind of locally known as The Horse. Now, it was built in 1775. It's Baltimore's oldest saloon. It's the only bar in Maryland to exist before, during, and after Prohibition. I thought that was kind of cool. And, supposedly was the last destination was the last destination of Edgar Allan Poe before he died in 1849. So of course, they think the ghost that's seen here all the time is Edgar Allan Poe. Now the ghost here has a habit of breaking glasses, swinging the chandelier. They got to play that freaking what is it? Miley Cyrus song. They got to play that for him. Uh opening drawers and you know basically just typical ghost stuff. All righty, with that, let's move on to Lafitte's Blacksmith Shop in New Orleans, Louisiana. That's right, you can't have a haunted bar episode without bringing up New Orleans. Now, this place has all the typical ghost stuff, and it has men and women ghosts seen here in 1700s clothes, apparently fairly often, and a variety of people, plus... The ghost of Lafitte himself is seen here, and not just there, but at other nearby bars. Man, this guy likes to get around. Uh, and he also likes to goose women, too. You know, I gotta say, in a pervy kind of way, becoming a ghost is starting to sound a lot better. You just go around just goosing ladies and drinking at bar after bar after bar and ordering drinks and then taking off. And, you know, if you're an alcoholic ghost... You got a lot going for you, supposedly. All right, uh, sorry. This bar has a lot of stories, none of which I can verify, like Lafitte's treasure is still buried somewhere within the tavern, and a ghost pirate still stands guard. That's right. They have a pirate ghost that is seen at this place, and the reason he's seen is because he's still standing guard over Lafitte's treasure. Also, downstairs, some of the pirate's booty is believed to be in the fireplace grate. If you try and take a peek, you might find a pair of glowing red eyes staring back at you as a warning. All right, even if that was a warning, if I looked down this fireplace grate and I was like, oh, two bright red eyes, that's creepy as hell, I would still remove the fireplace. I mean, you know, it's a fireplace grate. You can just pick it up, move it out of the way. 
Turn on a flashlight. Oh, look, there's a bunch of treasure right there. Thanks, I think I'll have some. Scary red glowing eyes. Now, uh, some people have reported hearing their names whispered in the ears by the ghost of a woman on the second floor of the building here, too. So, yeah, there's lots to look out for if you go to Lafitte's blacksmith shop. And if I owned that place, I would be gooning the hell out of that place looking for Lafitte's treasure. Are you kidding me? A pirate treasure in your building? You got to find that, man. All righty, let's move on over to the last one on this list. That's right, I'm already getting close to wrapping it up. Don't worry, this is the first of many. There are so many bars here. I've got a ton of bars on this list, but I'm gonna wrap it up anyway because my voice is really getting sore. My throat, that is. Uh, Old Town Pizza in Portland, Oregon. It's built on top of Portland's tunnels, known as the Shanghai Tunnels. If you don't know what these are, it's definitely something to look into. The Shanghai Tunnels and the Portland Tunnels, absolutely crazy cool and crazy haunted. There's a lot of paranormal investigators that have had a lot of paranormal activity coming out of these tunnels. They do tours of these tunnels. It sounds cool as hell. I've not been through them, but I know I know someone who has. I believe Todd has. Um, I know a couple people men, then who've, who've gone through them. But these uh, these tunnels, they were used for, you know, it was like the low life of the, of the area. There was, you know, smuggling people in and out of the place, smoking opium. I mean, it just wasn't a fun place to be back in the day. Now, uh, Old Town Pizza, built right on top of these tunnels, has a resident ghost named Nina. Here's the legend of Nina. Again, I can't verify any of it. Nina was a sex slave who worked at the Merchant Hotel, where Old Town Pizza now stands. So they had some out-of-town missionaries who came into town, and they saw all of these people, like sex slaves and opium people, and they were trying to you know, do the missionary thing about, uh, you know, rescuing them, saving them, saving their eternal souls. So they, uh, they went up to Nina, poor sex slave Nina, and they said, hey, you know what? If you give up your pimp, tell us who the pimp is so we can have them arrested. If you give up your pimp, we promise to rescue you. So apparently she did, but before they could rescue her, her pimps threw her down an elevator shaft. Now, she supposedly scratched her name into a brick on that elevator shaft. And here's where it gets kind of odd. It said, the elevator shaft, which is oddly now part of a booth, and today, Nina appears to watch people eat in that booth. I don't understand. So is she upstairs and then thrown down to the elevator shaft and that's... They, you know, took out the elevator and they just kind of made the elevator a booth where you can sit in and eat pizza. I don't really know, but it says that Nina is often seen watching people eat in that booth and people report seeing her sitting there in a black dress too. And if they don't see her, they usually smell her perfume, which is very flowery. Uh, Mike Watts, who is a staff member, reported someone tapping him on his shoulder during his shift when he turned around, there was nobody there. Others have seen a woman in black going into the basement after closing time. When they attempt to, you know, like, go and get her, boop, she's gone. The woman in black is uh, supposedly friendly. They say that sometimes she plays with children or moves silverware from table to table. She's kind of a playful spirit. Other times, you can find her circling the building late at night. That's kind of weird and creepy. A uh, delivery guy there reported a woman floating by him towards the stairs. He said that the woman was made of smoke and dissipated in front of his eyes after going up the stairs. Another woman in a white dress is seen here too. Although I got to say, she doesn't seem to have a backstory yet that, where, that I can find anyway. So I don't know what her deal is. Just another woman ghost in white. And, you know, like if you're going to go through the trouble of giving this cool backstory to Nina, you should also give the woman in white her own backstory. Uh, so that's just about does it for haunted bars. And like I said, there are a ton of them. And I know all of my international listeners right now are going, hey, what the hell? There's haunted pubs and there's haunted bars and there's haunted this, that, and the others in my town, in my country, in my state. I'm going to get to them. Don't you worry. Like I said, this is the first of many. The list that I have, I'm just scrolling through a bunch of them right now is absolutely insane. I mean, it is, it's, I'm still scrolling, still scrolling, still scrolling, still scrolling. 
Oh yeah, there's lots. Um, and I'm sure you're saying, well, what, if you got them on a list, why aren't you just keep going? Because my throat hurts. I'll get to them. I promise. Plus, you know, it's a free podcast. Give me a break. Uh, but here's here's your homework. Well, your first homework is if you ever go to any of these places, please try and talk to Nina. Try and talk to Lafitte. Try to find his treasure, man. One eye willy that crap. Um, if you go to Fenton, you know, basically, if you go there, go to Table Thirty Two. If you go to Fenton, if you go, if you go, whatever bar you go to, if you go to Ernestine and Hazel's, like try and and chat up the local ghost. You got the info right in front of you, and send me photos. I think it'd be cool. Just people saying, "Hey, Kurt, look where I'm at." I'm at Ernestine's and Hazel's or I'm at Fenton's or I'm, I'm standing next to Lafitte and I look down and I saw the red eyes, whatever it is, take a picture of the red eyes, take a picture in that grate. I want to see what's down there. You know, it seems like a safe way for me to find out what's down there, but, uh, buy that ghost Jack and Coke or Jack on the rocks. It can't be that expensive. Buy an extra drink. Have it sit there. Have a drink with a ghost. That's just too cool. All right. That's your homework. But I also want to know about the local haunted bars that you have. If you know of any haunted local bars, send them to me. Let me know. Because like I said, there's many more of these episodes coming out. And I want to make sure that I get all of the bars and all of the pubs and all of the worlds. I want to know about them. All righty. That about does it for this week's edition of Paranormal Almanac. Sorry about my voice. Um, you know, I'll be fine. Don't worry about me. Go have a drink, because that's what I'm going to do right now. Once again, I'm your host, Kurt Samig, and this has been another edition of Paranormal Almanac. Welcome to Paranormal Almanac. With your host, Kurt Sandvig. Swing out by getting sad at night.